It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the weekly Pope edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Roaring. Each every week, we talk about sports topics of local interest. We may occasionally have a national topic or two. We usually have a segment on gambling. Um, certainly during football season, we have that. And we'll try to mix in some others along the way. And a portion of the podcast where you can ask me a question on any topic, go to the Twitterverse, hit up the hashtag AskSkinnyAnything. Rick compiles them. He asks them because you ask them. I try to answer them to the best of my ability. It does not have to be a sports question, as most of you know by now. Uh, Rick, how are we doing as we get uh, closer and closer to the NFL draft? Uh, one week and a day away, and I can't wait for Saturday at about 9.30 when I publish the last piece of that weekend. That's uh, always one of your favorite times of the year. It is yes. coming quickly. We're going to talk some draft in this show. We've got a lot of news to get to. This is a newsy show today. It is. Yes, it is. That's why we we actually were going to do it uh, on Thursday, but I said, hey, so much stuff happened on Tuesday. Let's do it on Wednesday, and plus, we get to talk to Duke Tobin tomorrow. I got a bunch of stuff to do before that. Quite frankly, this worked into my schedule better. Well, so here we are. And we'll start with some of that news. Hunter Green, Skinny. The Reds signed their young pitcher to a six-year, $53 million contract, good for an annual average salary of $8.83 million per year. Green has a 5-13 and record and a 4.42 ERA through his first 28 career starts. What do you make of Hunter Green getting a long-term deal so early? Oh, I think a couple of things. I, I think... The Reds management has got to show that they are in on this rebuild and to do that, that they have to get some guys they consider cornerstone pieces um, under contract. I mean, this this could potentially be a bust, right, if he hurts his arm again. Um, but this could also potentially be the bargain of a lifetime that you bought out, I believe, if they pick up that last year option because it's six years with a seventh year option. Um uh, I think they would buy out at least three years of his free agency, um, maybe a fourth, I guess, at that rate, at least three. I know that for a fact. I mean, Rick, that could really be a, a bargain when all is said and done. And I think they have to show the fan base we are committed to the rebuild. I think you saw the embarrassing level of crowds the last couple of nights at Great American Ballpark, where I think now we know that the season ticket base has dwindled all the way down to the 7,000 range. Um, I think a lot of it, there, there's a perfect storm of, of those things. And Quite frankly, like I said, this in three years, we could go, wow, what a bargain that was. How much of this was to try and generate positive PR? Because like you're talking about, I mean, they're seeing the crowds windle away to nothing. And it, there's so much negativity around the team and the franchise as a whole right now. How much of this was to try to save a little face and say, hey, we do have a plan. We are willing to spend money. I think a lot. I, I think a lot of, of that has to do with it. But also, he is a highly regarded prospect. The numbers you read off, Rick, are, are accurate, but it's a small sample size at this point of his career. If you really want to take it from his last, whatever, six, seven, eight, nine starts last year, throw the, the handful of starts into this year. I know a couple of them were shortened, and the one this week was shortened by nothing that was his fault by getting hit on the leg by a line drive. Um, there's obviously a ton of promise there in the kid. It's not like you just signed a guy that you don't have deep faith in and deep belief in, and I think that they showed that, and I, I do think – Listen, the thing that stunned me yesterday is, is when I, I I heard the news, then I went and had to write a quick story about it, and that that when you look, other than if they picked up Joey Votto's option next year, they had nobody. They have nobody other than Hunter Green now under contract through the end of this season. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to resign it. You know, Nick Lodolo will get a contract, you know, whatever. You know what I'm saying? But nobody signed to a long-term deal now other than Hunter Green, and I think that's this is really literally the starting point for this. Have you seen enough from Hunter Green to where you're comfortable 
giving him this type of money. No, no, I no. But um, like I said, I am not going to crap on this three years down the road if this doesn't work out. I fully understand why they did it. Um, you're taking a, a a risk because it's a pitcher. Um, but at the same time, if the pitcher turns out to be what you expect him to be, but what a lot of people in baseball expect him to be, I, I, this is going to be a bargain basement deal when all is said and done. And then it allows you to do more things down the road because in four years, if you've got a club around Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo and Graham Ashcraft and Hunter or uh, Tyler Stevenson and Jonathan Indy and whomever else, Ellie De La Cruz, it then will allow you the flexibility to go out and add a piece or two to it. So, listen, it is a risk, but I think the reward is greater than the risk in this in this period, in my opinion. But no, he's not to this point. He's not shown enough, but I'm, I'm, I'm OK with it. But in four years, Hunter Green will still only be, what, 27 years old? Correct. I mean, that, that that's the part of this is where a lot of times when teams sign these long term deals or the Reds, even in the past, when they've signed long term deals, guys have been closing in on their 30s before they sign the deal. And then so you're giving them money. But the last part of that deal might be risky because who knows where they're going to be at in terms of their career? Are they dropping off by that point? Or well, I mean, with Hunter Green, you're getting him hopefully at a bargain during his best years, those, those last few years of this contract. So like you said, it could end up being an absolute steal if Hunter Green develops into a a real star, like, like people believe he has the stuff to turn into. And if you're going to get a deal like this done, you have to take a little bit of a risk. You, you can't do it after he's already right. proven himself. No, Otherwise, right. he's you're not going to get him for that money anymore. Rick, if so. he pans out, you know, by the time he's he's out of arbitration into free agency, if he pans out to what you're expecting him, that doesn't mean he's going to, but what you're expecting him to, he he'd be worth fifteen to twenty million dollars a year in all likelihood. Right, and, and let's look at it. even if he's a number three starter, this is it's an insane money. It's still yeah. a good deal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this, this especially by that time. I mean, where contracts are probably going to go up more from between now and then. Sure. For a starting pitcher, uh, you know, even a top three in your rotation type pitcher. This isn't going to be a ton of money by the end of his contract. So I think it's hard to argue with the deal. It may not work out, but there's a decent chance that it ends up looking like an okay deal in a average to bad scenario. It still won't look like a, a bad deal, I don't think. So the, the one thing I do wonder is, does the Tommy John surgery concern you at all? Would that have no, given it, you pause? No, in fact, I, I think it gives me more hope that, for a lot of these guys, it feels like just get it out of the way, get it done and move on with your career. I, I I actually kind of feel better about that, to be honest with you. Yeah. The fact that he's one of those hard throwers who's already had the surgery yeah. and bounced back from it. And yeah, clearly bounced okay. back to, yeah, to the velocity level you would expect you would hope for. If you were told that the Reds had decided, OK, we, we're going to sign a player or maybe two long term right now. It's we're, we're going to do it. We have to do it. The money has to be spent this second. Who would you have chosen? Would it have been Hunter Green? Hunter Green and Lodolo, probably. Really? Yeah. And I say that having watched Lodolo's crap start last night, but I'm a I'm a believer in him. Would you have rather had Lodolo than Green? Um, I think the long term prospects for Nick Lodolo as an ace are better than than Hunter Green's, and and I don't have anything really to support that, other than just the eyeball test that that Lodolo. And again, I'm saying this in the context of how bad he was last night, but but. I mean, he's that's a that seems to be more of an outlier for him than anything else. And let's face it, every pitcher has a 
couple starts in a season where you just scratch your head and you go, what the hell just happened there? Um, I just, I think he's just got great stuff and, and he didn't command it very well last night, but most of the time I think he's going to command it, command it well and be an ace. Well, and the thing about Lodolo is he's a little bit older too than green. So he might not have been willing to take this same. Yeah, deal, maybe. Right. Cause it would have it, locked him up longer into his problem. I mean, and I'm not saying they approached him or anything like that. I'm just saying, I think a lot of people are comparing green and Lodolo today when they're looking at this contract. And I think it is interesting to look at their age difference because that probably played a factor here. Yeah. I mean, Lodolo pitched in college for goodness sakes, but um, you know, I, I, it wouldn't shock me if, if you don't hear something like that for Nick Lodolo here at some point soon. Do you think this is a sign of that them starting to show us a little bit more of their plan and they're going to, I would hope so. Lock some yeah, guys Rick, up? I, I, yeah, I would hope so. Um, you know, it, again, the fans are speaking volumes right by by the crowds the last couple of nights and and not just the crowds that showed up but the actual announced attendance which was just abysmal i mean that, that that's that's embarrassing yeah, i mean the record of the team right now actually isn't probably as bad as most people expected. no they've, they've they've kind of been a little bit fun at times to watch too to be honest with you and you're right i mean no this this team's still gonna lose a lot of games it's gonna lose far more than it wins but there is some 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 positive signs at times for it, but fans, I mean, they've just, they're done. You, you've had ownership crap, but yeah, they're done. I, I said it, they're done until you prove that you're putting a winning product on the field and they're not there yet. But this was at least a, a bone being thrown to the fan base. Is it going to get people jumping through the turnstiles for Hunter Green's next home start? Probably not, but it's at least a step in the right direction. In my opinion. Have we seen enough of Luis Sessa yet? We good on him. I, I, I no, you know what? I, honestly, I, I, I do think his role as a super reliever is going to be his role. I, I think they got a little fooled into him last year, pitching well in the handful of starts he got down the stretch. And listen, with what they had in camp, he was one of your two best options for the back of the rotation. And and it's, it's not worked out very well. But I do think he has a serviceable role in this team, especially in that crap bullpen. Well, I I guess I should rephrase. Are we good on seeing Luis Sess as a starting pitcher? Yes, I am. Yes. I yeah. don't need to see yes. that again. Yeah. I mean, I had, but, but, when, but when your options are, are Levi Stout and and thirty five year old Chase Anderson and thirty one year old Luke Weaver, I mean, it's not like it's not like he's taking starts away from somebody that 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 has earned it. You're not excited to watch Chase Stout make his MLB debut. <laughs> Levi Stout, you're confusing Chase Anderson and Levi Stout. <laughs> I, honestly, they're the same guy to me. I I really don't know. They probably are. Uh, let Let me ask you about a tweet that I read the other day during the game. This is from Charlie Goldsmith at the end. Guy. Does a great my, job. He's my guy. Yeah. Jonathan India and some of the Reds have been pretending to row a boat when they hit a double. That's an extension of the Vikings theme. They're simulating rowing a Viking ship. You sure they're not trying to row their ass out of town to get away from this nonsense? Would you like to hear the comments to that tweet? Oh, I can. Only, I can only. I, there's going to be a couple of fans that say, oh, that's fun. And there's going to be a lot. I got a feeling like myself I, would go knock it off. Hate to tell you, there were none of the former. There were multiple of the latter. Uh, there were, I think, seven here. I'll read them to you. You tell me which one you like the best. OK. First one is my level of don't care is extremely high. OK. The second is so what the bullpen is pretending to be a Viking funeral pyre since the beginning of the season. And truthfully, I can't tell much of a difference. That's pretty good. The third is they need to stop the cosplay and figure out how to win. Good one, too. Fourth is hopefully they weren't doing that crap yesterday when they were down 13 runs. <laughs> I've mentioned that with the Viking helmet, too. This one, 
trigger warning here if you're sensitive. Be careful. Every time I turn on a Reds game, I mimic hanging myself. That's an extension of the Reds theme. I'm simulating asphyxiation. Oh, my land. That's a bit much. Oh, I thought they were shoveling out the pile they were placed in by the front office. And uh, the whole Viking thing is immature. Those uh, those were the replies to that. Tweet. Uh, there, was a, there was probably five, five really, really good ones there. I mean, you said this so perfectly on the first show that we talked about it. Are they going to be doing this when their loss column is double the win column yeah, at some exactly. point this year? Now, now, listen, sadly for me, I, I've been having Reds games on in the background the last few few days with doing stuff, and I really haven't had the sound up because I can't take it, as you know. Um, <laughs> if, if they, if, I don't know if you've noticed, are, are they still doing the Viking helmet for home runs? Oh, yeah. I mean, yes. Did you not hear that? They've they've extended the Vikings. Well, I know they've extended it, according, according yeah. to Charlie. Yeah, I just didn't know if they if this was an extension uh, or maybe a change of pace more than so it is. So it is. So they well, well, yes. I mean, they're they're hitting fewer home runs. So now they've had to extend it out to well, something like, else. Like, so people yeah, still I mean, see it. So, so, yeah, like Sunday, I was doing public address for uh, Reds High School Showcase games and, and didn't get a chance to, to see the or not Sunday, whatever day that was that Will Myers, I had both Saturday and Sunday, the, the day that Will Myers hit the two homers in the double, I guess that was Saturday. So I, I didn't well, get a chance to see if they did that for Will he, Myers on Saturday. He got to wear the Viking helmet twice and row the ship out wow. at second base wow. when he hit the double. So it was a real what Nordic. What a, what, a, what a special honor. Yeah, a real Nordic performance there by Will. Good Lord. All right, let's get into some college basketball. Big let's college basketball week around town, especially for my guys, NKU. They announced on Tuesday that they have added three players out of the transfer portal. The first one being big man from Marquette, Kian Tijere. The I, was second, glad you, I was glad you pronounced that before I had to. It, it, I, took, I, it took me a second, but that is proper. I, I did look it up. Uh, the second is Green Bay big man, Cade Meyer, who has already played in the league, averaged uh, over 10 points and five rebounds last season. So uh, an established name. And then a division two point guard transferring up from Mercyhurst, Michael Bradley. Uh, all three of these guys, I think, will play and make an impact right away. The two big men, they obviously needed some depth inside. They lost Chris Brandon. They lost Emmanuel Zorgvall through the transfer portal. So th- that was a big focus for them this offseason. They got one guy who the Tijere kid from Marquette is an athletic freak, a 36 and a half inch standing vertical. He's 6'9. And then Cade Meyer is something that Darren really hasn't had since he's been the head coach at NKU. Uh, low post back to the basket score with with some offensive skill. So, I mean, this this is really exciting for NKU fans to to go from, oh, wow, they've got a lot to replace to, oh, wow, this starting lineup has a chance to be really talented again. Yeah, I mean, Kate Meyer, you know, if, if you could tell me right now, and I, I would hope he improves on these numbers with just another year, but if you could tell me right now he's going to get you 10, 10 and a half and five in this league because he's already done it, I'd say great, especially when you've got, kind of a project big man who played at a high level Marquette. Now he didn't play a ton there and his numbers, he didn't really do anything statistically, but he was at Marquette. So obviously they thought something of him. Um, That's a pretty good one to punch um, either in a rotational situation or maybe playing them together at some point. Yeah. They brought the teacher, a kid into Marquette in a similar circumstance as Emmanuel Zorgval came to NKU. He wasn't as raw as Zorgval was, but you know, six, nine, 190 pounds or something like that. Their goal was to just add weight, add weight, get him bigger and stronger. He redshirted his first year. Last year, he only appeared in 13 games. They had a really good team, obviously. They won the Big East regular season championship. And, you know, he he didn't want to stick around for 
more development time without getting on the court. So he's looking for playing time, but he's already been in a Big East program for two years trying to build up strength and, and add weight. He's up to around 215, 220 pounds now is, is what I've heard. So, yeah, I mean, that that could be a really interesting piece that's already developed a little bit for NKU. And then, well, like in, you said, Myers. Fact, have- yeah, and the, and the fact is, Rick, while you're hoping he is more, obviously, um, it's not like you're going, hey, we're going to have to plug him into the starting lineup and sure hope he's got it because you've already got a guy who's done it in Cade Meyer. Right. And I think I think there is if you're looking at what NKU lost, it's like, well, they had plans for a guy like Zorgval who was right. going to give them this right. athletic rim protection and all that stuff. Well, now you've got a guy who's probably more advanced at that type of thing in T-Shirt and has a better feel for the game. So uh, and I'll tell you this. The other thing is uh, Michael Bradley, the Division two point guard they got. He's six foot, 180 pounds, not a big guy, not super athletic, but he shot 37 percent from three on over 150 attempts. He can really shoot off the dribble. He's got a lot of confidence, also had a lot of steals. I think he fits in in a similar way that Xavier Rhodes did last season, but he's a more confident offensive player, and he he could really provide some nice space for guys like Vincent and Warwick to work off of, giving them another shooter out there. Well, and and when those guys drive, you know, it gives them somebody else to kick out to. You can trust can make a jump shot. Exactly. And then Rhodes was great last year. He played really well for NKU as what they needed, but – Teams played off of him. He made some big threes, but they played off of him. They didn't really respect his three-point shot. I think it'll be a little bit different with Bradley, where they'll have to be up on him a little bit more. What do they protect, project Jeremiah Israel as? A point guard? No, I think they see him more as like a Trayvon Faulkner yeah, type okay. that's what, way, that's what where I he's like yeah, tough, okay. athletic, yeah. can guard multiple spots. And obviously, he's a freshman from Lloyd Memorial and Erlanger. He'll be coming to NKU next year as well. They've got a four-man freshman class that they're pretty high on. They've added three transfers, and then they had the most important players from last year's team coming back. When right. you're talking about Marquez Warwick, Sam Vincent, and Trey Robinson. So, yeah, no, that, that's that's a nice that's a nice roster. It really is. I mean, they had the three the three returners in place that you knew were a great core, but they had to get some talent to go around those guys, and they didn't just find fillers. They found some dudes that I think can can really make a difference. Over to Xavier. Xavier has announced several transfers now. They've got they've got four new players. The latest of which was Abu Usman, a 6'10", 230-pound center. You're you're doing great with the pronunciations for me. Thank you. I practiced before we did this show. Uh, He came from North Texas, who won the NIT this past year. They've had a a pretty good program over the last few years. All-Conference USA third team. He averaged over 11 points, six rebounds, 1.3 blocks. So uh, not a super skilled guy. He does his work close to the basket, more of a, a rebounder and defender and, and physical presence. I don't think he was the most talented big man that Xavier was chasing, but they needed to get a starting caliber center considering Jack Nungy's not coming back. And they basically told the other guys who were their reserves in the front court to move on and, and look somewhere else for more playing time. That this was a big key for them is to, to land some front court depth. And they've done that now with, Abu Usman and then Logan Duncan from Indiana, who we talked about a few shows ago. Yeah, and, and honestly, North Texas, I know they they played at a fairly slow pace, but they also were a pretty good defensive team on top of it. So you would hope that he was a big part of that defense and can add a little bit of that as well with some rim protection. Yeah, definitely. And I actually, we didn't talk about, um, because it happened over the weekend, Rice transfer Quincy Oliveri also joined NK, or also joined Xavier, rather. Yeah, yeah. He's... 6'3", 200 pounds, three-point shooter. That's that's really his calling card is shooting from the outside. He shot 
36.4% from deep last year on an insane amount of attempts. He's actually Rice's all-time leading three-point shooter. Uh, He's closing in on over 700 attempts, 252 makes, 37.8% for his career at Rice. So definitely a guy who's been prolific from the perimeter. Yeah, no, I, I that they they've done okay for sure um, in in the portal. So that brings me then to this question for you, Rick. If you're a UC fan, are you worried at the lack of activity in the portal, or are there still enough guys out there that you can make somewhat of a splash and improve your roster? Well, I think you definitely have to look at what we're talking about right now with NKU and Xavier. They're just now adding these guys over the last few days so there are definitely still guys out there there's there's a chance to make a splash and make a difference are there dudes because we talked about you're going to need dudes yeah the, yeah that's the bigger concern for UC is it's are they going after those types of players I think the biggest name right now in the transfer portal that UC is connected to is Butler transfer Seamus Lukosius who Xavier fans are familiar with he's a stocky kind of weird foreign player who's basically a power forward, but he's a face-up guy. He plays more like a wing on offense, but he's slower on defense. He's going to guard forwards. Uh, um, I mean, he would be a nice piece. He would definitely be, I mean, heck, maybe their best offensive player next year. I don't know that you want him to be your go-to player or your star scorer, but when you look at Cincinnati's roster right now, he would definitely add a lot of offensive skill. Yeah, I just, you know, fear that this roster is going to be meh. Well, I think that's a legit concern right now. They, they, like we talked about, they have players, they have guys who are who can fill the role pieces. I think it's just a matter of where is the scoring going to come from, and who are you going to rely on when you need a bucket, or you know, who are you going to run your set plays for? Like, whose number are you calling in big games against talented teams? I don't know who the answer is right now. For I mean, maybe Daniel Skillings, maybe Victor Lockin. I think. Those are probably your two most talented offensive pieces coming back. Hopes and maybes are not a plan, as you know. Rick, as we got done with the podcast last week, we actually talked about Jeremiah Davenport having entered the portal, and we were talking about him maybe yeah, that's right. Maybe a good fit at the Horizon League level. And it turns out literally about an hour after I think we got done with the podcast, he hops to Arkansas. Was that surprising to you? It was, because like you talked, I, I end up deleting out of the podcast that segment, so people who, listening may not know what you're talking about, because uh, before I even edited it, he was already in the transfer portal, or I mean, out of the transfer portal and and headed to Arkansas. We were talking about him needing to go to the mid-major level to find playing time and find the type of role that I think he wants. The fact that Arkansas brought him in, I'd be curious to know what the conversations were like, what what they told him he was well, going to do there. Because- let, let me ask you this. I, I don't mean to cut you off, but but as you recall, Jalen Tate transferred from NKU to Arkansas. Right. Would Jeremiah Davenport, if he had played in, in the Horizon League or played at NKU, for example, would he have showcased the same stuff Jalen Tate showcased? I don't, I'm just asking, I, I, cause I, you're usually pretty good with this stuff. I get the sense that Jalen Tate is a better player than okay. Jeremiah Davenport yeah, no, okay. personally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and especially fitting in like Jeremiah Davenport wants to be a jump shooter and he doesn't shoot that well. That's that's the biggest issue with his game. Like Jalen Tate's game translated to any level because he was a great ball handler, a great defender, a playmaker who made other guys better. I, that's the thing like that. That works at each level. I don't know if Jeremiah Davenport going to a higher level is going to become a better jump shooter that, you know, if he, if he gets back to just like, I'm a hustle guy and a role player, who's going to sprint up and down the court in a 90 foot game for 40 minutes, where we're just playing in transition the entire time, 
then maybe he'll be more valuable in that type of pace and, and that type of system. But based on what he did at UC, I can't imagine him being like a starter or playing 20 plus minutes a game at somewhere like Arkansas. So I, that's why I'm very curious about what those conversations were like between he and the agreed. coaching staff. Yeah, agreed. All right, let's switch gears over to the Bengals side of things, Skinny. The first day of phase one of the Bengals all-season workouts had some notable absences with wide receivers T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, and Tyler Boyd not being there. Also, offensive tackles Jonah Williams and Lyle Collins were not there. Linebacker Logan Wilson and defensive end Sam Hubbard all missing from the first day of phase one of the Bengals offseason workouts. Is there anything to be made of that? I think for a couple guys and for the record, it was funny. So we were down there uh, the next day because they had the local local workout for guys who played at UC, Ohio State, Miami, and then guys who played local high school football. And it was early in the morning. We were there at 8 a.m. and it was like a 45 minute workout. And they were all in the media room, which is right across, as you know, from the locker room. And all of a sudden, one of the media relations people goes, well, all of you guys who said Logan Wilson wasn't here. There he is. So he actually was there on Tuesday. Um, so I, you know, for Jonah, it's not surprising, right? I mean, he's, he's demanded a trade. There's, these are voluntary and that always has to be noted. Um, probably not surprising for T either because that extension that was widely reported by someone, um, has not come to fruition yet. And, um, I don't think is close at this point. Um, so that's not surprising. Jamar, I guess you could argue it would be nice if he was there, but at the same time, he's not, and it's not a big deal. Um, Sam Hubbard, the same way. I mean, these, those are guys like last year, Trey Hendrickson didn't even come to any of the off season stuff because he wanted to stay with his, with his wife and, and do his workout plan. And he comes in shape just fine. If you know, Sam Hubbard, have you seen Sam Hubbard, Sam Hubbard's not going to skip a workout. He's going to be in, in, in fine shape. So, um, and he may have had something else. He's in town. So maybe he had another commitment of some kind, because he's very connected to, to things in the city. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think for some of the Lyle's obviously re- rehabbing his from his knee surgery. Um, so, yeah, not not shocking at, at, at all. But it, it is interesting that you can just see the guys that have basically said, maybe I won't be here until I get a deal done. And I get that. So so to be clear about what happens, they have these these workouts, right? Or they, they're starting workouts. Yeah. So, so you guys so, got so, to go in the locker room and see them milling about for a little bit before the workout started. And you try to take note of who was there and who wasn't yes, there. Correct. That's correct. That's correct. And, and so then, so I love this. They kick you out. They don't tell you who is there and who isn't. And then that's the next correct. day they're complaining about you guys being wrong. About no, something. no, I, I think they were, they were actually half kidding us that, Hey, well, there like, is but even still, still, why don't they just tell you, Hey, this guy right. is, or isn't here. Why don't You're they right. just give you a list instead of being like, guess, and then be like, Oh, oh, oh you guys were wrong. And that's why we usually, we usually say when we write that stuff of, this guy, this guy, this guy were not seen in the locker room during the period open to the media. That's right. And I, know, and I saw you put that exact wording in there to, to clarify. But it's like, why do we even have to do that? Why I'm is everything you. so silly? It, it, it's silly. There's no question. Just tell, uh, just, and, say, and again, just say who's there and, and or who's not there. And again, the, the clear cut point for everybody is and we always make this point. It is voluntary, right or wrong. I mean, you'd like all your guys there and they have a great turnout. I mean, they really do. Um, but it is voluntary. And so not much you can do about it if they're not there. What are they doing at this stuff? Just walkthroughs? Uh, no, not even that. It's uh, it's just it's it's conditioning and weightlifting for two weeks. Um, and then um, after that will be uh, some on field stuff that they can get to. And that's that comes after the draft, too. So then you can get your draft class mixed into that as well. Shadobi Awuzie was there. Skinny. Yes. What, what do you have to say about his recovery? He seemed like it was going on track. I did ask him if he had a specific timeline and he said no, but he did say he was hoping to be back and expecting to be back by the, the opener. And, that, and that's good news. I mean, now the question is, 
you know, at what level will he be? And I think that's when you get in the conversations of in this draft, that's so deep at cornerback. Do you not only take one high in the draft, maybe as early as the first round, but do you double dip as well for the future and for insurance this year? And I think the answer is yes, but um, you know, he was, it was great to see him in there. Um, I think he enjoyed being in there, wanted to be in there around his teammates um, was not wearing a brace on, on the knee. So hopefully that's, that's a, that's a good sign. He sounded like he's making great progress. Anything else about the workouts that stood out to you or your, your time there? I've got a few other Bengals related topics. Yeah, n- no, no. I mean, again, because nothing was going on other than kind of taking a little bit of a role and talking to some of the guys about what they did. Talk to Irv Smith. I've not written a story on that yet and may not get to it uh, this week, to be honest with you. But talk to Irv Smith about, you know, feeling healthy for the first time in a while because he's gone through some injury issues. Looking forward to, to working with Joe Burrow and all those things. But, yeah, it, it's a pretty mundane circumstance. All right, we've got a few things to get to here. We're going to talk a little bit more about the draft in a second. We've got a Jamar Chase kind of story to talk about. But first, I had an issue with something you wrote. Okay. You wrote a piece on Local12.com you can check out. was It was the five best first-round picks in Bengals draft history. Yes. Okay, so I'll go through the picks real quick. At number five, you had Carson Palmer. At number four, you had Willie Anderson. And now here's where I have some issues. At number three, you have Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow. People are familiar with his work. Yes, they are. At number two, you have A.J. Green. Yes. And Anthony Munoz was number one. I got to be honest. I don't understand A.J. Green over Joe Burrow to save my life. What on earth did A.J. Green win while he was with the Bengals? Uh, All I know is he was the best wide receiver of his his area for a long period of time. And as I mentioned, if you you read what I wrote about Joe Burrow – that he is trending upward, it probably is another year or two he will flip with A.J. Green. But, but, as but, it stands but, but, today, but what, what, what would he need to do in the next year or two that would change that? He's not going to, like, surpass can, A.J. Green's numbers in some way of, like, becoming – like, so he's already taken the Bengals way past anything A.J. Green ever could. He's a way more important player. Fans would 100% take the last two years of Joe Burrow's career over everything A.J. Green did. You, you could also argue that, that A.J. Green could have taken the Bengals higher with a better quarterback. But, but he did. That. But he did. Well, well, he took them to five straight playoffs. I, and they didn't win a single game. I could Again, argue that Jamar Chase is well, more important and, and than actually, A.J. Green. In one of those, he didn't play because he was hurt. And that's and another it, problem with A.J. Maybe, Green. Maybe they win if well, he isn't hurt that year. I don't want to, like, uh, who, who was our, our coach from Oklahoma State? I don't, Mike Gundy. I don't want to downgrade the guy. But A.J. Green... Like I, I loved him as a player. Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase are both more important, better players than he was. Not yet. Not yet. They, they are. They in fact are. They've 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 gone much farther than him already twice in their careers. Again, that, that, that's yet. the only thing that really matters, is it not? I I'm a big longevity guy, and those guys did it for longer periods of time. But even great, but all those numbers meant exactly what to the Bengals in terms of winning? Absolutely. Diddly, he did I mean, nothing. I love the guy, but all, all you can control is making the play. I mean, listen, do wide receivers get credit for winning and losing? It's usually quarterbacks I see with win loss records, right? Great, but wouldn't that make Joe Burrow more important then if the quarterback is the most important player on the field? I just don't. I don't understand the yeah. argument for AJ Green over Joe Burrow in any way, shape, or form. Longevity. That's I mean, all I got to say. Longevity. Great, this- but the longevity did nothing, and he's not going to the Hall I mean, of Fame. Th- there's a, th- 
there's a potential Joe Burrow surpasses Anthony Munoz. And that's saying that Anthony Munoz is the best, Agreed. obviously, possibly the best left tackle in the history of the game. Agreed. The only the player that you could, time. The as only player that you could make is, the argument was as Anthony great Munoz. As Joe Burrow, that's fair. But, but I, again, I'm going to stick by my rankings. And there's my reason. All right. I'll take that. Um, DraftKings odds for the position of the Bengals first round draft pick, Skinny. Yes. Take a guess. What what has the lowest odds or is, or is most likely to happen, according to Vegas? I'm going to say offensive tackle. No, that would be number three. OK, because I that I would say that that seems to be the one that people get suckered into, in my opinion. Uh, I guess tight end. It is tight end at plus one twenty five. Does that surprise you? No, because it feels like just about every mock that's coming out nowadays has Michael Mayer mock to the Bengals, which I'm fine with. Um you know, A, I don't know, does he fall there? Or not. I think that's the other thing, because if the top two tight ends are off the board, that's why I don't think it's a very good play. I mean, it's, it's really conceivable that both Dalton Kincaid and, and Michael Mayer are off the board by the time the Bengals pick. And then they're not taking it. They're not even thinking tight end at that point at 28. They'll wait till later in the draft because there's a bunch of guys in that second, third, fourth round categories to take. So, yeah, I don't I, I, I don't like those odds. I get it, but I don't like them. I think both of those tight ends are studs, and I think there's a very good chance they won't be around when the Bengals are picking. Right. And that's my point. And even yeah. if they are, I mean, the Bengals could also bypass that group, too, and say, listen, there's enough guys in the in the in the later rounds. We've got this cornerback on our board and um, he's the highest guy. He's ahead of the two tight. He's ahead of the tight end that's left. Be it American. Well, Kincaid's probably the first tight end going no matter what. Um, our, this cornerback, we've got it. We've got him higher than Michael Mayer. We love Michael Mayer, but he's higher. Um, we can wait and still get a serviceable tight end because we've at least got a one year stopgap. Um, let's go ahead and take the corner. So, boy, those are I, I don't like those odds. I don't. So I mentioned tight ends plus one twenty five. I mentioned offensive lineman is plus two seventy five. What do you think the number two spot is? Well, that's a good one. Uh, edge. No, that would defensive lineman slash Ooh. edge is plus seven fifty. That's the fourth best odds. Ooh, don't tell me running back. No, no, you've already been saying it. it's cornerback at plus two fifty. Oh, it is corner. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Corner's second best odds. Uh, so it's tight end, cornerback, plus 125, plus 250, offensive lineman, plus 275. So all of those are fairly close in terms of their odds. Uh, then defensive lineman takes a big jump up to plus 750. Then running back is plus 800. Linebacker goes to plus 3,500 or 35 to one That's odds. Bad. Where? Where's wide receiver in that mix? Wide receiver is after linebacker at 40 to one odds. Oh, I like that. I think I'd take a, I think I'd put, if you gave me 50 bucks, I'd put 40 on cornerback and 10 on wide receiver. Okay. I like that. What? Well, Again, I'm not saying that's going to specifically happen, but I just, I, I think those odds, those, those odds are crazy good. Here's a, I think they've shown, listen, Rick, I think they, I think they've learned their lesson on offensive line, right? I think they've, They've seen enough first round offensive line busts that even though you're, you, you know, you're looking for some depth, et cetera, that they will not waste a first round pick on an offensive lineman. It's too big of a crap shoot edge defensive lineman. I, I think is certainly in play tight end is definitively in play, but I just think that's a, I don't like the odds for it. Corner I think is very, very, very much in play. And if the right wide receiver is on the board, I can certainly see them doing that too. And that's especially at 40 to one. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I can't see them taking an offensive lineman, especially after they they grabbed Orlando Brown. The defensive lineman thing surprises me a little bit that it's that low of odds because I, I could actually see them adding some some defensive line help. Now, probably not with their first round pick, and that's probably why this. No, is here, but, but it's, I think it's in it's 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 in play. But yeah, I, I mean, like the, the right odds, a and I yeah, I, and I. 
just don't see it happening be. And maybe it's more about who's available in, in these spots, but it would seem like if the right guy was there, they would be interested in a, a defensive lineman. But to me, cornerback is the play. I mean, it, whether it be from a betting perspective or just in general, what I think they'll do, I think it, defensive back is the most likely in my opinion. So plus 250, I might, I might would consider something like that if I was looking to play some, some draft betting. Yeah, 40, 40, 40 to win 100 bucks, and then like 10 to win 400 bucks on wide receiver. I, I kind of like that play. Can I ask you something that makes zero sense to me? Sure. So quarterback and kicker, punter, long snapper <laughs> are the same odds at 200 to 1. Now, I realize the Bengals aren't going to draft a quarterback first overall, but don't you think it should be like slightly better odds that they would draft a quarterback than they would draft a kicker punter or a long snapper first round. Yeah, maybe that's the longest odds they can set. And they're just it's 200 to one is just the and longest. It, yeah. And they're just putting it on the board to say, if any of you are dumb enough to do this, we'll, we'll gladly take your donation. Thank you. I, I guess that's what it is. Cause it's like, that just bothers me. It's like, there's can't be the same odds. There's no way that they shouldn't the numbers say that's correct. But, but if you think about it, they're set at kicker and they're obviously set at quarterback. So um, you know, maybe they just decide, hey, th- this is not going to happen. But we're going to put the odds out there in case there's some sucker that will put five bucks on it. And we'll walk away. Enough people do it. We cleared 500 bucks on the dumbest bet ever. I mean, maybe they want a uh, first round backup for Joe Burrow. You never know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. So, Skinny, I've got one more thing to get to here. It's not exactly Bengals related, but it sort of is. So Kings Island opening day was this past Saturday. And there was a local mom who took her son there and she ended up writing an angry Facebook post because her son thought he was going up there to meet Jamar Chase. He met someone and he got his Jamar Chase jersey autographed by someone. But that someone was not Jamar Chase. It was an imposter in a bucket hat who was like five foot eight. Some guy on TikTok who then went on TikTok and called everyone out because he said he pranked them and he was calling this mom out, said she had 24 hours to take down her Facebook post and she should be embarrassed. Uh, what do you have on the whole guy shows up to King's Island story advertising that he's going to be Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is going to be there. He made like little posters, little social media posters saying to meet up with Jamar Chase to get your picture taken, get autographs at King's Island opening day. And he's just some random dude in a bucket hat from TikTok. Two things, like a lot of people these days, he's a complete jackass. At the same time, the other part is there's too many gullible people in the world these days, too. And that mom fell for it. I feel bad for her that she fell for it, but but stop being so gullible. I don't. I don't feel bad for her at all. Now, maybe I'll change my mind once I have kids. Maybe I'll be like the dumbest human alive, too. But are you serious? You just took your kid to Kings Island thinking, oh, yeah, Jamar Chase is going to be putting it out there don't on TikTok think, well, that he's showing up yeah, in I was the middle just saying, of- I was just saying, how did she fall for it? Was there like a Jamar Chase picture that showed he was going to be there? Or yeah. did this guy just say, Jamar Ch- I'm Jamar Chase and I'll be away? How did he do it? The kids saw the advertising, I assume on TikTok or maybe it was on another social media site, but some type of like, uh, you know, poster saying, hey, come meet me. I'm going to be signing autographs, taking pictures at King's Island, which like, I mean, this could have been anybody. That's, that's, like, this that, could have been a an pedophile asshole. that you're just sending your kid to. Like, that's an asshole. Not that, that's an really? asshole. Yeah, that's a bad move, though. I mean, what? A, that, that's a class. That's how you get off in life. Good luck to you, dude. You're yeah, not no, I mean, the guy long. sucks. He's a total loser. And like signing the ter- kid's jersey is, yes. is terrible and all that. But like, and then I don't blame the kid. The kid wouldn't know if it's the <laughs> I got to run an eight year old. Oh, man, I'm so funny. <laughs> 
Now well, we'll say, I pranked an eight-year-old. I will say this. The kid's, the kid's huge. He's like bigger than the guy who was saying he was Jamar Chase. So that should have been everyone's sign initially that like, hey, his ass. this the 12-year-old or whatever he is, is is bigger than me, maybe, uh, or bigger than the guy who's supposed to be Jamar Chase. Maybe that's not actually Jamar Chase. But this mom not realizing, and again, her son is like bigger than the guy signing the jersey. How she didn't look into it a little bit more and be like, nah, son, I don't think that's actually Jamar Chase is mind-blowing here. Like, she has pictures of it. She was close enough to get pictures, and she still thought that it might be Jamar Chase. It's, quite frankly, insane. I, I don't know how it happened. Well, and then and then if if you noticed, I can't remember, was game one of the Phoenix series on Saturday or Sunday? I think it was Sunday, wasn't it? I think Sunday. Yes, because game two cause get, yeah, cause game two was last night. Yes. Um, Jamar, I believe, was at game one of the Sun series on Sunday. So, I mean, well, you still could have flown from Kings Island opening day Saturday to correct. Phoenix correct. on Sunday. Correct. Guess, but, correct. But yeah, probably that, not at you Kings Island on Saturday. I would agree. Yeah. No. All right. Let's get into some ass skinny. <laughs> Golly. Oh, you know, again, don't let's don't be that gullible. And honestly, if that's how you get your kicks in life, you're a sad human being. I'm just trying to think, like, if my kid wants to go see something in the future, Will I have any clue of who this person is? Like, I mean, I assume the lady didn't care about sports or didn't care about the Bengals, you know, didn't know what he looked like and all that. But even still, I just think, would I be so out of tune and just willing to be like, yeah, we'll show up to whatever to let you meet this hero without me even looking into it first? Like seeing, is this a reasonable person? Is this a legit thing? Yeah, fair enough. Who am I handing my kid over to? Good point. strange. All right. Ask any anything. If Skinny started a national sports venue Hall of Fame, what would be his first class of inductees, active or demolished? Ooh, Lambo. The Lambo experience to cover a game there was spectacular. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. It, it it's outstanding. Believe it or not, Madison Square Garden for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, trying to think, Yankee Stadium, old Yankee Stadium for sure. I, I was in there once as a, a kid when I lived in New York, and it it was pretty powerful even for a nine-year-old um oiler park in tulsa no i I can't that's one of my that's i grew up watching the triple a team there and have some great memories of that place but um wrigley fenway because some of the old baseball stadiums i mean fenway's been around forever yeah it was wrigley i mean it's it's that's what makes them iconic which makes me laugh that the cleveland browns are going to have to move out of whatever stadium they're going to call it now for a couple years possibly to do renovations on a 20 year old stadium how the hell were they able to keep up lambo for this long or fenway for this long and the team still played there right Good it's amazing Lord. isn't it it is um trying to think other basketball arenas off the top of my head that i find iconic I'm afraid you're going to say one. That no, I'm not going to say Rupp because I don't like Rupp's construction. Not that one. Freedom Hall? The one in Indy. Lucas Oil? Hinkle. Oh, Hinkle, nah. I like it. It, 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 it was, it's it's interesting, but it's, I don't consider it iconic. I, it's I'm, a I'm, barn. I, yeah, I, yeah, I don't consider it iconic. I mean, it reminds me of old Cole Fieldhouse where Maryland used to play. It was iconic because of some memories that were there, but but other than that, no. I mean, maybe Pauley Pavilion. I've never been in it, but it's still pretty iconic. Um. I just don't know if there's anything special about it. Though. No, I mean, right. I've never I, been I, there either, but yeah, looking I'm at with it. You. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. There's a lot of good ones, though. I mean, I don't know how big that was really is. good. Yeah, I mean, I you just know. nailed that, it, I'm, I feel like. I'm not so sure how big our iconic class is. Hell, the, I'll tell you what. It, it was kind of a dump on TV, but so many great things happened there. The Orange Bowl. Yeah, that's good. Oh, uh, uh, Rose Bowl. 
Rose Bowl. Yeah, I'm sorry, I missed one there. Absolutely, Rose Bowl. Absolutely, Rose Bowl. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you did pretty good there. What, well, again, I mean, it wouldn't I mean, be I the first class, going, but what when Polo? Hold on, hold on. I could go. I could go Ohio. I could go Ohio Stadium. I could go um, uh, the Big House. I could go between the hedges for Georgia. All those are just great stadiums to be in. Uh, again, how big the class is going to be would would kind of define this. Yeah, I feel like you you nailed the the first class. Would you have okay. Polo Grounds in your Hall of Fame at some point? Oh yes, I would. So I would have. I would have, and maybe it's because my dad grew up in Brooklyn. Um, and went to games. I'd have Ebbets Field there too. There's just so many great books, and, and that Dodger, those Dodger teams were great, and it was kind of iconic, right in the middle of the neighborhood. And he did say those that were torn down. So yes, both the Polo Grounds because it was such a quirky, uh, quirky configuration. Like you could hit a home run down the right field line at 254 feet, yeah. and center field was 460 feet. I mean, it was crazy configuration. So yeah, th- those are two iconic ones that would be in there. I remember my, you know, Greg Spencer. His uh, son, Eric, sure do. I grew up with, was one of my good friends. I remember specifically being like, I don't know, second graders playing hardball five on PC on his dad's laptop. And we would always I, pick Polo Grounds to do our home run derby because it had the short fence. I love sides. it. No, I love it. I used to have that game. I love it. Yeah. If uh, That was a great question by Vince. By great the question. Way. I love it. I, yeah. If, if he wants to rephrase that question down the road, if you want to give me a specific number in the inaugural class, then I'll, I'll try to limit it to that group. All right. If you could only wear one color for the rest of your life, Skinny, what color would you choose? Black because it's swimming. Yeah, I, I pretty much already do. That. I mean, 85 percent of the time I wear a black Vina. Yeah, I've, I've got. Believe it or not, I got I think I told you I got so many golf shirts for that trip to the Masters. I got five new golf shirts and they're all in different colors. And then I got a couple of pullovers there that are nice colors that I used to just do like for me, I do three loads, well, technically four loads. If you include reds as a separate, cause I coaching at Beachwood, I had so many reds that I always do reds as a separate, but doing the laundry, I would literally have then three other loads, whites, obviously. And then I do darks and what I would call grays, which were kind of grays and khakis at the same time. Those would be my load. Now I actually got to do some brights. I'm, I'm changing, I'm changing my habits. I've got brights now to do Rick, man. I mean, you're just, you're a real domestic guy over there. <laughs> You sounded me with that disappointment that you're like Mr. Two Loads, like whites and everything else. Uh, yeah, that's, a, that's exactly what I do. Well, he, but here's the thing. As I just told you, pretty much everything I have is like black. So it's like whites and darks, basically, for me. I don't really have uh, in between for the most part. The problem is I, I, I don't I don't like the look of black, like a black pullover with black slacks or black. Agreed. I, I can't do black on black. Yeah, you can't do black on black. I agree with that. But I, I just but I you, usually just put like khaki or gray shorts with it. Sure. Right. So do I. So and, and vice versa. If I got black slacks, it'll be, you know, either a red colored top or a, or a gray colored top or even maybe a blue colored top. But it, I'm, I'm uh, yeah. If, if he, again, he's asking for one color. It's got to be black from now until basically September. I will be in a, a black V-neck and either khaki shorts or gray shorts. That's just it. It's the uniform. It person, is the uniform. That's right. Which person checking out in front of you at the store is worse. The guy who, when the item won't ring up properly, says, quote, I guess that means it's free. Or the guy who, when asked for his ID to buy cigarettes or alcohol, says, quote, is my gray hair good enough? Uh, yeah, I, I never mind them asking for the ID. I think it's silly, but especially when they can tell how old you are. Um, although I got flattered by a woman that asked for my ID. And she, but she still said, she goes, she goes, wow, you, you don't look that old. You look like you're probably 40, maybe. I'm like, well, I appreciate that. But I almost want to say at the same time, then why did you ask for my flipping ID? But I don't mind it. <laughs> No, the, the the free guy would be more annoying to me. That that's the guy I always cringe at. Like, I dude, hate that, that line's been used so many times. It's not even close to funny anymore. 
Yeah, I hate that. The, the one, the one that, that that bothers me nowadays is is dude with debit card, and he just can't get that damn thing to work. And maybe it's the yeah. machine more than the, the person. I think it's the machines. That's happening a lot these days. That I happened to me the I, other day. Yeah, the, I mean, the, I never had an issue. The, the, yeah, the chip. It's usually the chip malfunction. Speedway's yep. terrible about the chip malfunction, by the yep. way. And and they, and they know it's happening because they always go, "I'll do it two more times and then swipe it. It'll work." No, correct. And no, usually I'll do it the one time. I go screw it and I'll throw him a ten dollar bill and go, "I'm good here. Just pay pay for it out of this." I'm not playing with this game anymore. Oh, I bet you're just wonderful to deal with in that situation. I am. I, I mean, I, I just, I, 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 I know it's not their fault. It's just, it's just fix your damn machines. Uh, not counting his messaging app. What app does Skinny use most often on his phone? Um, that's a great question. I would say probably. He said not, not counting my messaging app. Yeah, no texts. I guess. Um, I don't tweet off my phone very much. I don't tweet very much in general other than stories primarily. Um, probably my email app or my CBS sports app. The CBS sports app, honestly, is one of the easiest things to negotiate if you're just looking for scores and news and whatnot. All right. little plug and my for local, and my, local, and my local 12 app. The local 12 app. There you go. How Company that? man. How about that? What is the acceptable amount of beer to drink at a work team building exercise? In parentheses, they buy the first two rounds. And does Skinny have a work party related story? <laughs> um, we we had a uh, we had a function at Turfway Park once in the radio business where I might have gotten overserved a little bit. Yeah, really? I also yeah, but we also had a work party one down at. I think it was the Syndicate then. The, you know the place in Newport. For those that know what I'm talking about, not the Syndicate. What was it called? The, it, it's the one. I mean, there is the Syndicate. Yeah, down no, there it's it, it, by is the that, bell. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's the one. We, or we is had it a, Gangsters, the Dueling Piano Bar? Is that what you're talking about? We had a party there, and and so the legend goes, one of the bosses asked to motorboat one of the girls, and that that didn't Whoa. go. Whoa. Yeah, Whoa. that was not a good scene. He got a little in the He got a lot in the sauce. In fact, I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe he was removed a couple of weeks later. What year was that? Uh, in the early 2000s. I mean, not, not yeah. exactly the Me Too era, yeah. but still not ex- acceptable, I wouldn't say, at that point. Yeah, that's not that's 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 not that's a little out of bounds. Yeah, that's just a little bit out of bounds for sure. Um, what's the acceptable amount to drink? Yeah, um, it depends, I guess, on if you're just if, if, if as the night progresses, you're hanging with your dudes at that point. Does it really matter now if the bosses are still there and you're trying to impress the boss? It's probably not best to overserve yourself. But if once the bosses leave, because usually they come in for the flyby, right? Like, hey, you saw me. I'll have yeah. a cocktail and I'm gone because you don't want to mix with me and I don't really want to mix with you. And OK, see you later but if at the end of the night it's you and your guys and your dudes and whatever even girls whatever your inner circle of, of friends at work i don't know keep going till you got to call the uber i guess <laughs> i i don't know i i i kind of <laughs> think this is more like a four beer situation it's like you can stay to have a nice nice chat or whatever but i don't think you want to get too buzzed around your coworkers unless, unless these are like your good friends and your good friends That's only what I'm yeah, but, you're, 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 yeah, your inner group of friends, but yeah, but yes. a work team building exercise would not sound like it's just your inner group of friends. It would sound like there are going to be other people that you work with on a daily basis that maybe you're not super close to, or like I don't know, I don't think you just want to be shooting the well, breeze yeah, with if, people if, after if, having a bunch if, of drinks. And usually those work building exercises, and, and I've done those in places before. We don't, don't do those where we're at now, which I, I'm glad. Uh, usually, honestly, <laughs> I, I just wanted to get the hell out of there anyway, so I wasn't yeah. wasn't having a whole lot. Exactly. I mean, I was thinking exactly. more of a of like 
Christmas yeah. parties. Christmas parties is the one I got overserved at. But yeah, the team building stuff. Now nah, I usually want to get the heck out of there. Well, what happened at the one that you got over? So, yeah, your answer. Your answer. That was that was a Christmas party. I I I was thinking party party like a work. But, but, party, but what happened there? Team, team building when just got overserved and I was I was okay. I was oh, okay. Nothing. I'm a, I'm a happy guy when I've had too many. No, yeah, that's nothing, true. Nothing bad happened. I just got overserved. That's nice. all. I just remember being overserved and a friend taking me home, which was nice of them. <laughs> so it was all, all right. It was all good. Let's let's wrap yeah, it up. Yeah, I gotta go back to that because you, you did say no. He did say team building, and I'm kind of yeah, I'm kind of in that ilk. I just I I remember doing some of those with the Chamber of Commerce, and they did these hokey skits and stuff, and I just wanted to get the hell out of there. And I'd usually swig my two two. Yeah, you're right. I think they bought you two free beers, basically. And like, I don't even have a third. I'm getting out of here. Yeah, that seems fair. I, it's it's if you can get out after the first two that they bought, do that. If you want to stay and have one or two more because you're having a com- good conversation, great. Yeah. I don't think I go much past that at a work event. No, I think that's probably the right answer, to be honest with you. I was thinking more of the term of just party in general. So, yeah. All right. We'll wrap it up with this. What was your favorite day of radio when you were on air? My favorite day of radio? Yeah. Was there a, a day that stuck out as particularly I, fun I, or I, funny I, or work? I, I truly think the first time that we heard the Dan O'Brien acceptance speech where he thanked everybody on the planet and then just continued to make fun of it every single day. Let's come up a few times. We still haven't found the audio for that anywhere. Oh, it's, it is just so it's just priceless. Mirtha Campbell. Every once in a while, Tom Gamble and I will call each other and go, whatever happened to Mirtha Campbell or <laughs> Or how is Rick Aponte? I mean, it was just, I mean, on and on. And I i know he meant well, but it was the damnedest thing ever. And it just became such an easy skit to make fun. It was literally the easiest skit to ever do. Well, explain for the younger crowd what happened there exactly. So Dan O'Brien was hired as the Reg general manager sometime in the early 2000s. Can't specifically give you the year 2002, maybe three. I don't know. Sometime in the early 2000s. And he, he literally, when he got up there to give his acceptance speech, literally, I think, thanked everybody he ever worked with in any organization in baseball. <laughs> and Dan was probably in his 50s. So you can imagine that was a long list of, of folks. Rudy Jaramillo. I mean, um, you know, it just it just went on and on. And and I, it, it just was the damnedest, damnedest thing you could ever hear. I, I wish we could find the audio of that because I'd still crack up laughing at it if I heard it. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to do some real digging to try to find this thing. Someone has told me before that it is out there okay I, someone I has said it right. was online somewhere it probably uh, is it's just one of those ones it's probably a broken link by now yeah that's what i'm wondering because i've looked for it once or twice before when someone's brought it up for this show never been able to find it but i will do my best i promise yeah, you that, that that was probably my favorite that or the time when, when i was doing fm radio where we interviewed a porn star that was pretty that was kind of fun oh okay what what happened what, there anything good she just went by the appropriate name of Courtney Cumbs, you know, just a just a general conversation with her. Jeez, she ride yeah. the Sibian or what was this? Yeah, no, she, yeah. It, it it felt like it was going to turn into that. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. All right, different different era. I got an autographed CD from her of that too, by the way. So oh, I feel great about that. I don't know where that wait, is anymore. Wait, hold on, got... hold on, hold on, hold on. A CD or a DVD? Well, I'm sorry, DVD, autographed DVD. Okay. I'm sorry. I was, was going to say what? I'm not sure if I want to hear that. That might be a little. Yeah, no, it's oh, intense for me. Autograph DVD. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's a new form of ASMR. You just listen <laughs> to your porn. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. That's, a good, that's a good one to end on, though. We, we, we've got to find that audio clip. Yeah, we really do. Rick yes, Aponte. Shout out to Rick Aponte. Yep. Always Rick Aponte. I hope he's still alive. I may have to look that up as soon as the show's over, Rick. I'm going to Google him when we're done with this. So there we all go. Right. All right. Thanks for the questions. As always, always enjoy that part of the podcast. 
Thanks for listening. We will be back next week, uh, either probably on Wednesday, the day before the draft. If not, we'll do it on draft morning and, and drop it that afternoon. And uh, we'll be back then with that next podcast. Thanks for being with us. I'm Richard Skinner for Rick Roaring. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the weekly Pope edition presented by Ryan Kiefer of First Community Mortgage.